0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. The state of recruiting is brought to you by 24 24 seven sports and the horns 24 seven network of podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown, and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. Welcome back to this week's episode of The State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined, as always, by Nick Harris. Uh, we've got a big show for you today. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about where this Texas class looks like coming out of the bye week. Uh, what the uh, what Nick's uh trip to Louisiana kind of brought for us, and then a big basketball commitment. It's uh, it's it's basketball recruiting season, I guess. And uh, and as you guys know, that's not really my forte, but we'll, we'll uh, we'll clear out the lane and, and give Nick the ball so he can uh, tell oh, you all nice. about the, the newest uh, the newest Texas Longhorn for Chris Beard. Before we get into all that, Nick, how are you doing today? Doing
1: pretty good. I, I like that
0: little uh, like punt. Is that, is that what you <laughs> call it? That was nice. Yeah, I thought uh, you know. It was apropos. Um, well, so we sit here. It is October 27th, and Texas is coming out of the bye week. Um, they have, I haven't checked this. Um, I'm, I'm just going to say the number four class. I know things change with other schools getting commits and stuff. Last check, it was the number four class in the country. Um, and so, you know, they've got uh, 22 commits. I think they're kind of like, you know we're in the last stages of this uh this recruiting class and so where you know where where do you see uh, i'm sorry it's number 6 i just checked it um where do you see right now the biggest i guess the biggest needs in this class going forward
1: um i think it still you know presents offensive line and, and defensive back challenges um obviously you know texas is doing a pretty good job recruiting on the offensive line but um you know the only commits that we see so far are Cole Hudson and Connor Robertson Um, You know, probably moving forward, more of those tackle bodies, uh, you know, such as Malik Agbo, um, Ernest Green, or uh, whoever else they decide to pursue down the stretch. You know, those are going to be important guys so that they can get big bodies on the outside. Uh, And then looking at defensive back, you know, it's been kind of up and down the entire class, you know, early in uh, whenever Sarkeesian was hired you know, we had kind of thought the safety position might end up being, you know, a loaded group. Um, and now in hopes of landing Jacoby Matthews, you know, that, that's still, you know, a possibility. But uh, if not, then, you know, Texas is going to have to look towards uh, towards some uh, contingencies down, down the stretch. But, you know, most of their top targets are, are left in those two top two um, position groups, and those are going to be really important moving forward.
0: Yeah, those two for sure. And then wide receiver position, finding playmakers – in that group that can, you know, I, right now I see the biggest weakness on this team is guys who just can't go attack the ball and make something out of nothing really. And, um, finding guys in this class that can do that, obviously the priority is speed. Uh, you see that with Brennan Thompson, the pursuit of Evan Stewart. We've heard that Texas is pursuing Aaron Anderson from Edna Carr, who you saw last, uh, no, you didn't see Adnick Car last week. I'm sorry. Um, I saw Adnick Car a couple weeks ago, um, but he can absolutely fly. So uh, there, there is a lot still going on there at the wide receiver position as well. Uh, Nick, I mean, if you if you had to identify three or four of the most important guys on the board, who would that be?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, Devon Campbell, um, Evan Stewart. Um, I would say Jacoby Matthews even and Diffra Harris, you know, four four or five stars right there.
0: Um, you know, those are
1: important guys that, you know, they could very well get in the class. And if they could somehow pull off all four, I think that would be pretty massive.
0: Yeah, I mean, if they pulled off the, those four for sure, the, the the big leading guys, I think you have to have a tackle body. So I think I would probably throw an Ernest Green um, into that group. But, um, you know, those, those are the guys. And, and that's the funny thing about this class is, yeah, there were maybe times during the summer where you thought – well, they're taking, you know, these lower rated guys or whatever. And, you know, sometimes a recruiting class, it starts with a mix of high and low rated guys and, you know, it finishes with a mix. This is a – this class will finish if it's going to finish strong. It's going to finish with all top 100, top 200 guys. I mean, this is this is a class that if everything goes the way Texas wants it to on the recruiting trail, they could make a run at the top two or three uh, just because – um, just because they are going to add so many highly rated guys. So I think, um, you know, that's something to watch down the stretch. We will, of course, have you updated over at 247. Nick, you saw a couple of those highly rated guys um, on your trip to Louisiana this week, and usually we kind of talk about who we saw, but you had such a big weekend. I want to uh, to give you uh, lots of room here to, to talk about uh, Louisiana recruiting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and me and Guy Frazier, uh, who's a frequent guest on the show, we uh, made this trip down to Louisiana over the weekend. Uh, we started on Thursday in Ponchatoula, uh, d- down uh, – it was about north of Lake Ponchatrain uh, in Mandeville uh, to go see five-star safety Jacoby Matthews. Uh, he was taking on uh, Blue, and, um, you know, he looked really good. It wasn't the best competition, you know, that he'll probably see all year, uh, but he looked really good in coverage, um, and, you know, even on third down, they were moving him up and, you know, uh, letting him play press man um, and moving into nickel. So he definitely showed some versatility throughout the uh, throughout the evening, um, and I think that's that's part of, you know, what makes his game so special potentially at the next level. Um, and I uh, talked to him after the game. Uh, coming out of his Texas official visit, you know, I think Texas, you know, probably has, you know, quite a bit of buzz there right now um the the key thing will just be to keep that post visit high going um you know there's a lot of schools that are you know going after matthews he's still got quite a bit of visits left um you know he just decommitted from lsu lsu is still on the table as well as wherever ed orgeron ends up that school will be on the table um ed orgeron's one of the you know coaches he's built the strongest relationships with he's the first coach that ever offered him um so you know that's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out down the stretch of his recruitment um but you got Georgia, uh, Florida, um, and Texas A&M. You know, those are three other schools that are you know very heavily uh, vying for his services. Um, A&M has been a school we've heard a lot of buzz about too. Um, he's got a strong relationship with Bryce Anderson and uh, Bobby Taylor, the two uh, A&M commits. Um, and he was supposed to be in College Station this past weekend, did not make it in, uh, but I fully do expect him to make it in at some point. Uh, and then he's got official visits to uh, Florida and Georgia lined up as well. So. You know, all that being said, you know, Texas is right in the thick of all of this, but they're going to have to stay the course and, you know, kind of ride the ups and downs. And, uh, you know, with January 2nd rolls around at the Under Armour All-American game, um, you know, I think Texas has a pretty good shot of landing his commitment. But again, they're just going to have to stay the course and, um, you know, continue to build on that relationship that he's built with Terry Joseph. Uh, I think that's going to be really important moving forward. And then uh, on Friday we made the trip down to White Castle, Louisiana, and I I kinda wanna preface uh, what we saw in White Castle uh, with uh, kind of like what White Castle is. So me and Guy were were driving into the town and uh, we just smelled the stench, like what is the smell throughout the entire town? And. we get to the game and and no one's really like noticing it we feel like. like it feels like it's normal to everybody and it's it's throughout the entire town we do see like this this industry mill like off in the distance across the street from the stadium so guy he asks an official he's like you know, what is this smell like is everyone used to this he's like uh it's a sugar mill and uh, it's the sugar harvesting season right now i guess um hence why their name is white castle um and uh he's like that's the smell of them breaking down the raw sugar canes, um, and then you know creating it into the sugar that we we eat and drink, and it smells absolutely foul. So uh, it, I found that quite interesting. Um, you know, I'm kind of a sucker for those kind of things. Uh, but by the about, about the second quarter, that that smell finally wore off. It was uh, it was quite interesting. But we were there to see Jalen Tap, the four star uh, edge commit uh, for Texas here in the 2022 class, and my goodness, he's probably. Uh, he's, he's probably my favorite commit I've seen so far this season um, he's, He looked really good, um, really strong, really physical He's in the backfield every single play um, He even does some stuff on offense for St. Catholic he, he won't at the next level But um, it just kind of shows his athleticism and, and you know versatility in different ways He had two blocked punts One of them he picked up in return for a touchdown um, you know He was doing it in all three phases of the game uh, Talked to him after the game and, um, you know, I, I think Texas still has a little bit of work here left to do to, um, you know, make sure he gets that he signs that paper in December. He will be uh, early signing, but he will not be early enrolling. He'll be uh, enrolling next summer. Um, but, uh, but before that early signature is on the paper, there's going to be probably trips to Alabama. Um, LSU is still on the table. Um, Florida is still on the table. Um, So Texas is definitely gonna have to, you know, keep communication strong, um, get him back on campus even. um, And, uh, you know, whenever those visits do happen to other schools, you know, make sure that Texas is doing as much as they can to counteract it. Um, So the race for for Jay montap is certainly not over, but I think working in Texas's favor is, he says he has no stronger relationship than the one he has with Steve Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian has been really, you know, key in this recruitment, uh, as well as Pete Kwiatkowski and Bo Davis um you know these are all guys that are uh, uh, have really built a strong relationship with him in the past few months um and those are even the guys on the staff that don't really have the louisiana ties uh so that's i found that pretty interesting just to kind of see you know the entire staff is willing to go out into the boot and you know do things uh on the recruiting side of things uh and then on saturday we went down to new orleans um to see 2022 commit uh, champ lewis the corner um for uh, warren easton it was their homecoming, he won homecoming king. It was a, it was a big night for him, and um, they blew out uh, uh, Eleanor McMain. Um, all three teams won this weekend in blowout fashion, so we didn't really see any crazy games. But um, going back to Champ Lewis, uh, he looked pretty strong in coverage, uh, really good length. Um, he was taller than I thought he was. Uh, he's got really long arms, really long legs. And he's still got quite a bit of room to grow uh, into his frame. Um, And he's got he's got a really big underdog mentality that uh, I think will definitely help him at the next level. You know, he's going to be going into Austin, you know, very low on the depth chart. And he knows that. Um, And, you know, I talked to him after the game and he's like, I'm ready to start from the bottom and and prove myself again. So, you know, sometimes that's half the battle, that mindset. Um, So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do um, at the next level.
0: All right. Um, So that's a great recap. Uh, Oh, you saw Wallace Foster as well. What did did you think of Wallace Foster? That's right. Uh, 2024
1: uh, athlete for um, uh, Warren Easton. Man, he is something else. He's going to be playing corner at the next level most likely. Um, and, man, he looks he looks super strong. I talked to him after the game as well, Texas, LSU, Florida. Uh, those are the schools that are in on him the most. Uh, I think Texas can definitely have a shot right there. They're going to get a visit out of him most likely in spring, especially with uh, Champ early enrolling, and, and, you know, those, those two guys are, are really close. So, uh, yeah, Wallace Foster, probably one of the better 2024 recruits I've seen all year.
0: I, I told you – probably the best in-person eval I saw this year um, out of any of the guys I saw. So, uh, yeah, really impressed with him and, and his ability. All right, Nick, that's a, that's a great recap from Louisiana. We'll talk a little bit more about the games I saw later on. Uh, before we move on to our game picks, uh, Texas got some basketball news this week. We kind of talked about this last week. I did see this this official visitor uh, during the Oklahoma State game, uh, Dylan Mitchell, a five-star from Montverde Academy and Florida Florida uh, made his commitment I can I can vouch having seen him up close massive massive human um, I, like I told the story last week it's always funny to see a basketball recruit in the sea of football recruits because as big as those guys are they all look small compared to him Nick what is Dylan Mitchell how did this recruitment play out and what does Dylan Mitchell kind of bring to the table for Chris Beard?
1: yeah absolutely we could start in late june um that's when texas really started to apply the pressure in this recruitment at that time you know florida state tennessee and ohio state those were the three schools that had really been you know pushing for him hard quite a bit Um, florida state got an unofficial visit towards the end of june um it was only unofficial because it was in state and you know it was easy to get to tallahassee from where he was at in uh, in montford and then um, he took an official visit to Tennessee in early July. And coming out of each of those visits, um, there was a, quite a bit of momentum for each of those schools. Um, and then that's when Texas really started to apply the pressure. And um, they made multiple trips out to Montverde to, to meet with him and his mother, um, whether it be Chris Beard or you know some of the assistants. And um, they were able to secure an official visit out of him, uh, sneak into his top three. And they got the last visit and it ended up being, you know, enough to go ahead and land his commitment. But they got that last visit a couple weeks ago, like you said, during the Oklahoma State game. And, um, you know, he really liked what he saw uh, uh, all around at the program. Um, He's really bought into Chris Beard's, you know, philosophy and he likes how hard that the team works. Uh, He was able to sit in on a practice and, um, you know, that was something that really stood out for him in the end um and then when it came to commitment time you know texas was the choice uh they were able to you know overcome the in-state florida state uh uh, ties um and as well as tennessee who had been doing a really good job rick barnes and company had had done a really good job um uh, with recruiting him but you know this is this is a very interesting commitment because texas came in uh figuratively late into his recruitment and they were still able to close the door and basically you know get who they wanted um, you know that's something that I think kind of speaks to how strong um, these uh, recruiting tactics are on the staff. I mean you could ask anybody in the country you know which staff probably has the strongest recruiters on staff and Texas is going to be mentioned in that top five. Uh, I mean Kentucky obviously has some really strong uh, recruiters uh, Tennessee as well. Um, this was a big battle between Tennessee and Texas that Texas was able to win but you know Texas is going to be in that top notch you know for for a while as long as some of these assistants are on staff but you know, kind of what he he will bring to Texas. You know, he's uh, kind of a wing forward. He's going to play the two, three, even the four at times, given his size. Uh, and he's a guy that can guard one through five. Uh, I mean, he's, he's really quick, um, you know, really twitchy in some ways, really bouncy. Uh, I think he's going to have some of those electric dunks that, you know, uh, Texas fans liked out of Greg Brown. Um, um, but I think he's going to have a little bit more to his game than Greg Brown being that he's you know can play multiple positions can guard multiple positions um, and our 24 7 sports uh, national uh, scouting director jerry meyer he compared he to, uh, compared him to uh, uh the hornets kelly Oubre. Uh, you know i'm a big fan of that uh comparison i think it's uh, i think it's pretty accurate um you know so i i think that's definitely something he could bring uh, to the next level Um, and I also I don't think he's a one-year guy I think he's going to be you know two three four years um, especially given his first year there's going to be you know quite a bit of depth at that small forward position uh, most likely you know Jalen Tyson's going to be a sophomore by that point um, if he doesn't go off this year and uh, you know that's probably somebody who's in line for a starting role so you know Dylan Mitchell's definitely you know open to you know waiting around and um, you know getting his education and um, you know I'm, I'm pretty excited about Dylan Mitchell and uh, that's the second five-star that Texas will get in this 2022 class, and uh, uh, he'll he'll join Artario Morris. And it's the first time Texas has had two five-stars in the same class since 2016 when they had uh, Jarrett Allen. And from your Irving MacArthur Cardinals, Andrew Jones.
0: <laughs> you know, usually I would have a comment there that would be laced <laughs> with profanity and – about MacArthur, but I do like Andrew Jones. And it's hard not to root for that kid and all he's been through. Um, have you seen this kid? I know you go to a ton of A.U. Has he come through in any of the tournaments you've been at?
1: No, he hasn't. Uh, I'm working to get out to, to Montverde um, you know, before he graduates so I can see him. They also have a, a Texas women's basketball commit at, um, uh, at Montverde, Jordania, Codio. Uh, so I'd like to knock out both. We'll see.
0: So the all-important question, Nick, what do I ask about every basketball recruit? Um, Can he shoot? Can, can they shoot? Yes. Can he, can he,
1: shoot? Uh, he can shoot the mid-range pretty well. You're not going to see him stretch the floor and, and shoot the three too often uh, at the next level. Um, I am very curious to see how much his game develops now that he's at Montverde. This is this will be his one and only year at Montverde. And for those that don't know, it's probably the elite prep program in, in the country at this point. I mean, they've produced some big-time guys in the past. Uh, just recently, Kate Cunningham. So, uh, And this team this year has is loaded with talent. Vince Uchukwu, the USC commit. Uh, Jalen Shafino a uh, five-star compo guard. Uh, there's a ton of others on the team that I'm just kind of blanking on right now. But, um, you know, I'm curious to see how his development and how his game grows uh, in his one year at Montverde and kind of see what new things he brings to the table. Um, but as I see it right now, I think he's just going to be a big force inside and a really, you know, big uh, defensive force
0: uh, as well. All right. Well, thanks, Nick, for that uh, that basketball update. Is there anything else going on in the basketball class? I mean, do you, do you have a feel for how many spots there might be in this group, and and other guys to kind of look out for down the stretch here?
1: Yeah, I think I think the Texas staff is just going to kind of hold right now. Um, you know, Case Wallace is still um, uncommitted. We everybody in the world still expects him to end up at, end up at Kentucky here in November. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, the Texas staff is still doing their due diligence on that part. But aside from Case and Wallace, I think they're just kind of holding and waiting to see what how many spots that they're going to have available uh, here in this 2022 class um, and then how many spots they want to use on the transfer portal. Um, you know, the way I see it right now, I would probably only expect about one or two, if any, um, uh, more spots to be used in this 22 class, but that's something we won't really know until about January or February, once we really start to get a you know, good sense of, um, you know, who's gonna be heading to the draft, who's gonna be out, uh, on the outs. Uh, but uh, you know, as, as it sits right now, most of the offers on the table are already committed um, I, I guess the one the one kid I am just personally keeping an eye on is a three star power forward out of Mississippi, Sam Murray. Um, you know, I don't think that someone Texas is going after too hard right now. But I think, you know, later down the line, if they decide they want to open up a spot for, you know, a, a program type guy, I think Sam Murray would be a good fit. But um, uh, that, that's about where it sits right now.
0: All right, um, We, if you're listening on the podcast right now, we are going to go to break and you're going to hear from some of our sponsors. If you're watching on the YouTube, we're going to take a very small break and we're going to bring in our friend Guy Frazier to do game picks with us.
2: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: And there he is. We didn't think we were getting him today. Um, we got a text about 10 minutes ago. It's like, I got a work thing. I got to take care of this. So I was preparing to do my best Guy Frazier impression um, through this all. And then uh, the five minutes later, get a text back that's like, no, wait, I'm good. I can do this. So uh, Guy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, for moving the schedule around and, and getting in with us.
2: Yeah, it's been a hell of a morning, fellas. I got a headache. I got work stuff popping up. I got my boss calling me while I'm on the phone with Nick, and here we are now somehow. It's been a whirlwind, but uh, good
0: to be here. Well, we'll try to knock this out quickly so you can get back to your regular job. Um, uh, Guy, um, Nick already kind of talked about Louisiana. Do you have anything you want to throw in on Louisiana?
2: um well I, I
0: don't know what he touched
2: on but it was, it was a great time um well worth the time we made some good inroads there uh in New Orleans Saturday night uh with the Warren Easton staff and then had you know just two really good nights of, of fun and, and good football on Thursday and Friday none of the games were really all that competitive but uh, I got to see some good players and find some new new faces as well so uh, all in all, it was a great time, and I think I had my best driving effort, you know, ever. Uh, Saturday, Saturday night, we made it back from New Orleans in, I think, six hours and 20 minutes. We were booking it. So, uh, I called I was, you guys,
0: I called you guys at 4 a.m. Yeah. Um, I was getting home from hanging out at my brother's house, and, uh, my wife is like, Who are you calling at 4 a.m.? And I was like, Guy and Nick are on the road. Well, I'm just going to check on them, just see if they're okay. Um, and uh, you guys were like, I think an hour. We were outside of Terrell at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. You were, yeah, not, not far at all. So I was blown away by your. When we stopped time. for gas
2: twice, that's the other thing to keep in mind. So. We were, we were picking up ground pretty fast
0: so y'all we're booking it y'all are booking it we were. all right nick do you have um have you done the math do you know where we stand uh game? yes
1: i do i have the math hold on let me pull it up one second all right we uh we all had kind of a up and down week last week there was some upsets uh you know around the state especially in our games um but mike still leads at 33 and nine i am at 33 and 11. And the guys at twenty-one and eight. And we talked this past week for for the view for the viewers in the audience. Um, it sounds like we're going to reset things once the playoffs come around. So we only have two weeks left to to claim the regular season championship. So um, it's it's do or die time at this point.
0: Um, who was who do what, what was the upsets last week? I, I I'm blanking on like Cypress Ranch was. was one of them with Langham Creek.
2: Yeah, away. that was that
1: was the one I immediately remember.
2: Um, uh, the Maynard-Pflugerville-Wise game, um, which we did figure out was Wise. Like <laughs> I, right. um, I don't know if that was really an upset, but that was kind of a pick'em game. And I think most of us went with Maynard, except yeah. Nick. And yeah. Wise ended up winning the game, so that kind of tripped us up a little bit.
0: Okay. All right, well, Guy, what do you got on the slate for us this
2: week? Yeah, so... Uh, there's actually some really good games this week. Sometimes that's hard to find this late in the season. Uh, and some really important games. We've got a couple late-season district championships, which that doesn't always settle out that way. Um, and then Houston has some good games this week as well. So made made sure to go down there and pick a good one from that region as well. Uh, but the first game here is uh, in Young Knicks territory, 7.30 p.m. Friday night. At Rockwall's Wilkerson Sanders Memorial Stadium, aka the Wilk. Uh the Tyler Legacy Raiders, who are five and three, travel west to face off with the number six team in 6A. The Rockwall Heath Hawks, who are seven and one. Heath enters this game as a four touchdown favorite roughly. I think they're a 26 point favorite to be exact, according to DCTF computer. Uh wanted to tee this one up to Nick, uh, just because I think the 10-6A race is pretty much locked up for playoff seating. But could legacy maybe move up a little bit with a win here? Is that possible? or am I off on that? Yeah,
1: yeah, they definitely could. Um, they would probably move into that um, that one seed for 68 D2 uh, and that would move Rockwall Heath down to uh, the second seed there in 682.
2: Okay. All right, well, Mike, I'll let
0: you uh, go first. And we'll do our typical order. As much as I would love to pick against Heath here um and uh, let me tell you boys before we get started this <laughs> I I'm I, like uh, Matt Stepp and I drove to uh, Austin last Thursday and we were just talking about um D2 and all that it has and I just I can't handle Nick being that happy so like I I I I'm going to be rooting against Heath and Rockwall in the playoffs because I just I don't think we're going to be able to handle Nick on this podcast if either one of those teams makes a deep run. Um, that said, much as I like Tyler Legacy, much as I like Joe Willis, the dual rushing attack of Jamarian Miller and Bryson Donnell, I just I think that they've gotten and they've shown kind of who they are this year, and that's a good team, not a great team. And um, when they've gone up against elite competition they've 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 kind of shown that that they just don't uh they can't hang and I think a lot of that is problems with the quarterback position um and, and guys loading up to stop those running backs and then nobody can beat them with the arm so um <clears throat> you know it feels like Rockwall and Heath have both flirted with disaster a couple of times this year um upsets they should have been in but I I got Heath winning this one pretty big you know, this is
1: actually kind of a funny game. It's the one high school game a year that my mom pays attention to because uh, she graduated from Tyler Legacy back when it was Tyler Lee back in 1991. So when her alma mater is playing my alma mater, it's the one game she checks in for. And uh, she hasn't won yet, um, and she's not going to win this year. So, go Hawks.
2: She's going to be throwing up that H on Twitter about <laughs> 1030 at. No, it'll, yeah. be about, it'll be
0: about 845. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> early, that's, that's true.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with everything y'all had to say. Uh, Mike had a good point in that every time legacy has played someone a little bit more, uh, above their weight class, it, it typically doesn't go well. And that's kind of been the story of them the last couple of years. They're, they're a good program right now, uh, but they're not great. Um, and so because of that, I think that's going to show on Friday again. And, and I don't know if they'll lose by four touchdowns, but it, it might get like that. I mean, he's offense is capable of exploding on you, so uh, yeah, I'm going to roll with Rockwall Heath here, and I guess I'll be throwing up an H-2 on on Friday night. Um, Moving on to game number two, I think it's the game that actually Mike is going to be at, Uh, 7 p.m. Friday night at Marcus Marauders Stadium in Flower Mound. We have the number 19 Louisville Fighting Farmers, who are 8-0, traveling across town to face off with their rival, the Flower Mound Marcus Marauders, who are 6-2. Farmers enter this game as a one-point fave. Uh, I believe this game is called the Battle of the Axe, so it would be a great atmosphere uh, where uh, home field advantage might play into it a little bit. Uh, Mike, I'll let you go over uh, this game first.
0: The second Battle of the Axe I'll be going to in as many years, as you know, Sherman and Dennison also play for the Axe. Um, I... Ooh, this one's been tough for me. I've expected Marcus to be better than they have been this year. I think they've dropped a couple games that maybe nobody expected, and they've got a lot of talent on that team. But Louisville has been, you know, they've been a a bowling ball of butcher knives this year. They've just been rolling through people. Uh, Explosive offense, obviously they've got, you know, Armani Winfield and uh, their young quarterback Ethan Terrell's been throwing the ball well. Uh, Jaden Hardy on the defensive side. They've got some, some big guys up front. I think in in normal cases, I would probably side with the home team here, but I'm going to go with the Farmers on the road to uh, to get a big win and uh, stay undefeated.
1: Yeah, this is a you know rivalry game, and uh, you know anything can happen in rivalry games. Um, I've uh, I saw Marcus earlier this year against Flower Mound, and uh, in, in which case, Flower Mound won that matchup for the first time since I believe 2009. And then Flower Mount stormed the opposing field. It was something <laughs> I'd never seen before. Um, but, uh, you know, Louisville, they've been one of the top teams in 6A this year. Um, really high flying offense. Armani Winfield, the Texas commit, um, you know, leading them on the receiving end of things. And um, they have a 2024 quarterback, correct? That's been
0: lighting yeah, up. Yeah,
1: Ethan good. Terrell. yep. Ethan Terrell, that's right. Uh, that's been lighting it up uh, as well. Um, I'm going to take the Farmers. I think they handle Marcus quite easily on Friday night. Um, And I don't think they storm Marauder Stadium.
0: Hmm. So I guess this is an interesting. That would be that would be an interesting side bet. Do they storm? (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: So I'm going to separate myself a little bit here and actually go with the home team Uh, because I've been a part of a couple of these games in the the Flower Mountain ISD, Louisville ISD world, or I guess it's Louisville ISD. Um, And it seems like home field does play into it sometimes. so, I'm actually going to roll with Marcus, and I'm going to highlight two guys that I like in that game that are maybe a little bit more under the radar than the Ashton Kozards of the world and whatnot. And Dallas Dudley and Isaac Katab, uh, two playmakers in their offense that are pretty smooth route runners, in my opinion. Um, not saying they're going to be the sole difference makers, but I do like those two guys, so I wanted to highlight them. Uh, so, I'm going to roll with the Marauders here, actually. I haven't been a believer in the Louisville Farmers since Tony Cade was there in 2002. So,. I'm going to keep rolling with that and uh, separate myself from you boys on this one. So, I'm gonna have to send on. this clip. I'm
0: going to have to send this clip to uh, Coach O'Dell over there at Louisville. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, that's fine. You uh, know what's funny? What's funny is, um, so you guys know I'm building a house. And yep. yesterday I went to a pre-construction meeting with my home builder to sit down and talk about some stuff. And I was wearing my, uh, you've seen my Louisville hoodie. I was wearing that. And he goes is that a Louisville hoodie? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I can't build this house for you. And, uh, <laughs> turns out he's a Marcus guy, lives right behind the school, and uh, we got in talking about the game. So should be a fun one. I'm excited. I've never seen this rivalry. So uh, I always like adding these uh, these historic rivalries to the slate. You know. Well, All right, Guy, what do you have next?
2: Yeah, they're, they're always great atmosphere. Sometimes high school rivalries can be a little lackluster, but Louisville ISD always brings a – a powerful punch so uh moving on to game number three going back out to nick's territory again actually uh 7 p.m friday night at royce city isd stadium right there off of i-30 correct is that right correct yeah. Yeah. um the number four in this lines for eight no uh travel to face off with the royce city bulldogs for right now as well um while they're both undefeated ennis does enter this game as a 15 point favorite according to dctf computer uh, big game in 8-5 AD2, district championship game pretty much, um, so late season game that, that matters, and that's always fun. Mike, I'll let you take over.
0: I want to start by saying that Royce City ISD Stadium is one of, like, nobody ever talks about it, but it's a great stadium. I love watching games. It's a great press box they feed you well even the food in the concession stands is uh is pretty great so um shout out to Roy city isd stadium shout out to Roy city these uh, city in texas i consistently spell wrong every time um and all that that's where the shout outs are going to end i i looking at at what they've done it's impressive they've been able to get to 8-0 but man they've done it by some thin margins some weeks and Ennis is while while Ennis doesn't have the hype they had going into the playoffs last year, they they are still a really strong team. I I think I got to go with Ennis uh, here, um, fifteen point favorite. I'd probably even take them by more. I think their defense is going to shine in this one.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Ennis is a little bit too much for Roy City in this one. Um, Roy City is like you said, squeaked by um, some uh, some teams in that district, and Ennis has just been plowing through it. Um, and last week Roy city was in a banger 65, 63 game against Crandall. So, uh, you know, I'm wondering how, how much of a layover effect that they'll have in uh, there as well. Like the one thing playing in their favor though, is that it is, uh, on their home turf. Uh, they typically bring a pretty good crowd out to Roy city. Um, they have a pretty good fan base. Um, so, you know, I think it could be close, but I'm going to take it as I think Sam Harrell's squad pulls it out.
2: Yeah, so both teams are 8-0, but they've kind of gotten there in different ways, as, as both of y'all kind of alluded to. Um, Ennis, you know, while they fell in the area around the Timberview last year after being number one in the state for the entire year for 5 AD, too, Uh, you know, a little bit of a letdown, but they've come back strong this year. I think everybody kind of expected that. I'm not sure everybody expected Royce City to be in the same spot. Um, they were really good last year, but they had quite a bit of a strong core graduate with Keetron Jackson going off to Arkansas and then Michael Alpen, uh, going to Missouri state and they had several other good guys that were just good high school players. Um, so with all that said, I'm going to roll with coach Harrell and Ennis. I think uh, we expected them to be in this spot again, as they were last year. And while this is a cool story for Roy city, I think there is a little bit of separation here. So I'm going to roll with Ennis and the lions as well. Uh, moving on to our, Game that is uh, worth two times the points. So it's a big one down in Houston. Uh, this week is 7 p.m. Friday night at GPISD Stadium in Galena Park. The number 5 Umbla see the Eagles, who are 7-1, and one, travel to face off with the number 8 Galena Park North Shore Mustangs, who are 8-1. and one. Um, We've touched on this district, it seems like, every week on this podcast for the last month. Um, I almost didn't put this game in here just because we've done that. But we've come this far, and this is the most important one out of their entire district slate. So we'll roll with it. Uh,
0: Mike, I'll let you take over. So I've seen both these teams this year. Finally, an advantage to Mike in the picks. Um, I would I would really love to see this game with Gavin Session playing quarterback at Atascosita. And I know I've ridden the Eagles a lot this year in our picks and, and have been pretty... have been rewarded for it. I... I went in, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, I saw um, North Shore against uh, Summer Creek and went into it not really knowing what North Shore had, knowing they lost a lot offensively. They do it in a, I will say, and this is not in an insulting way, but it, it's a boring offense that they run. And yet, they still manage to rack up points. They play tough defense. They do that John Kay thing. Um, with Gavin Session, I would I would think this would be more of a pick em type of game. But a young quarterback at Atascocita who's got a little bit of a little bit of experience, but going up against that defense, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be in that spot. I'm going to go with North Shore and I'll double down.
1: Yeah, this one I've been going back and forth on. Uh, I think uh, I think both of these teams definitely have a lot to bring to the table. Um, I think Itascasito is still as strong with 2024 quarterback Zion Brown at the hell um you know that's someone that i'm really starting to like as, as he starts to get more varsity reps under his belt uh filling in for gavin sessions and obviously they have a strong offensive line uh, they have some key playmakers on the defensive side um but north shore I, I i just don't know what it is but they find a way to win um you know john k defensive-minded coach has brought that defense to play ever since they uh, lost to westfield and then the very next week you know gave up 34 points to a mediocre Klein oak team since then they have just been rolling through competition haven't really been tested and then last week it gets a really good ce king team they beat them 17 to nothing so um you know i, I think north shore's a, one, another one of those teams that just gets better as the season goes on i think a, they're going to be a playoff force once again um in, in one. um and i think it starts with a, a district championship and a win over Taskasita. and i'm going to go ahead and double down
2: yeah, so I've seen neither of these teams still, as I've mentioned, every week it seems like. Um, but I think that'll change come playoff time. With that said, I've, I've tried to kind of listen in on what y'all have said uh, after y'all have seen them. And then I listened to the DCTF podcast, step and Step, this week. And one thing they commented on was this is a game where Zion Brown cannot be a bus driver. And they've kind of been just nursing him along and slowly feeding him to the fire. Uh, but North Shore is not going to allow that to be a thing this week. And so if Gavin Sessions was in the game, a little bit more of a dynamic player quarterback at this point, I may roll with the Tascasita. Um, they probably had the most impressive win on the season this year between the two teams when they beat Allen. Um, but I, I think I'm going to roll with North Shore. They've been the king of 21-6A in kind of that East Houston area. Uh, so I'm going to double down and roll with them. It's at home, too. I'm not sure how much that matters in this game, but I'm going to roll with the Mustangs. Which moves us on to our final game, and it's our small school game of the week. Uh, it's a fun one. It's um, out in East Texas once again, actually. 7.30 p.m. Friday night at Jimmy E. Cox Stadium in Wascom, Texas. The Elysian Field Yellow Jackets, who are 7-1. and one. Travel to face off with the number eight Wascom Wildcats, who are 7-1. and one. I don't have much on this game other than this is two historically, you know, pretty solid um, East Texas programs. And uh, young Nick and I went through Wascom twice this past week and commented how the school was right off the highway. So uh, that's about all I got. Mike, you take over.
0: I'll tell you what I got. I don't know anything about the fields, <laughs> but I did see Wascom at State 7-on-7. Seven seven and I fell in love with Washington State seven on seven, specifically their quarterback, Cole Watson, who's another 2024 guy to watch. It is a legitimate, this is not a small school, will play small, like this is a guy that could play uh, big, bigger time ball at the next level. Um, I love that in seven on seven, they still run the wing. They still have wing backs and three point stands. Um, Watson was slinging the, slinging the ball over at seven on seven. I'm going to go with what I know because I don't know Elysian Fields. I'm going to roll with Wascom here just because uh, I, I do love Cole Watson. So go uh, go Wascom. Um,
1: yeah, we it, Wascom is like five minutes from the border. Uh, the Texas-Louisiana border found that kind of shocking too. I didn't realize how deep east it was. Uh, and uh, we almost went and saw Wascom last year, me and Guy, uh, a game against ARP. But I, yeah. I forget what fell through. I think it was like a Monday night game or something like that. Or yeah, Thursday. I mean, it
2: was, you know, during the COVID season when you had games on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. And yeah. for some reason, Nick and I ended up making to it. But that seemed like a pretty sexy East Texas small school game. Yeah,
1: um, I'm going to go with Wascom here. I think they've you know had the more commanding uh, stretch of district games uh, than Alicia Fields has had. And plus, it's going to be at their home stadium.
2: Um, Give me Wascom. Yeah, I forgot to mention this. I'm not sure it really matters. But Wascom is a 24-point favorite, according to the DCTF computer. So I think they are the stronger team here. Um, I mean, shoot, Elysian Fields historically has a lot of speed. And I think Wascom has typically, too. Uh, The only thing I really know about Elysian Fields as well is I think that's where Chad Morse maybe got his first coaching Job, so that's that's my historical uh, context on the Yellow Jackets. As far as this year's team, I I really have no idea. So I'm gonna roll with Wascom. I think they're the stronger seven and one at this point, and uh, I'll take them to take their their district. So that wraps it up.
0: All right, that'll do it for picks. Um, We already talked about Louisiana for you guys, so I'll I'll just briefly talk about where I went last week Uh, on Thursday. Matt Stepp and I went down to. Uh, see Del Valle in San Marcos in a game that was like really – it was actually for a double well, – a game that ended a double-digit win for San Marcos was a really interesting one. Um, I didn't know what to expect, and we got there, and uh, I had seen Del Valle once this year, and they just got pasted by, by Westlake, which everybody tends to get pasted by Westlake, so I didn't hold it too much against them. Um, and we talked to John Walsh, the head coach at San Marcos, who said – my star running back is out for the first half because he got two personal fouls last week. He goes, if I can just keep it close and we get him back in the second half, we'll be okay. And that is exactly what happened. Um, They got out to a, uh, a Del Valle got out to a 28 to seven lead in this game. Uh, And then Sam Marcus scored right before the half to make it like 28 14. And then they got the running back back, and he went for like 250 in the second half. And Sam Marcus came storming back uh, to win the game. I think it was 43 uh, 35. Del Valle receiver Braylon James looked really good. Um, you know, I mean, he's that's a really impressive built kid. He plays really well, plays um, real physically for, for, you know, he's not, he's long, but he's not real, real powerfully built, uh, but still plays very physically at the, at the point of attack and uh, can go up and get the ball and all those sorts of things. Um, for Sam Marcus, we did find a a, a giant a 2024 offensive lineman, Ori Williams, who didn't play because he's a transfer sitting out for, uh, for transfer rules. Uh, but, you know, you can't miss him on the sideline at like six foot eight, 325 pounds. And, the, the funny thing was they told us in his JV game uh, he had thrown a touchdown the night before. They had thrown a double pass to him and uh, said he had gone down and got it, picked it up, and then threw it 40 yards in the air. So uh, really interesting kid, Guy, do you have something to you want to yeah, ask there?
2: I, I was wondering if you saw the second part of all of that on Twitter following. I, I know you had said he came from, I think it was Buda Hayes, right?
0: Yeah, he, had, originally so he, had he was originally there. Yeah, he was an original Rice bird, um, which and, I found uh, fascinating. Yeah, so um, who knows? He could still be there block, blocking for Ruben Owens. So right. Um, yeah, what a what a wild story. Um, and then Friday night, I went out to see. You know, we'd heard the hype, and um, I thought it was it was probably going to be a good game, and it, it turned out being kind of a beating. But uh, Lovejoy versus Frisco. Um, I had heard the hype on Lovejoy, and I, you know, part of it was I'd gone out to Lovejoy in the spring, and thought, "Wow, this team's got got a chance to obviously repeat on what they've done." First of all, let's talk about the fact that Lovejoy has gone from a guy named Ralphie Rucker at quarterback to a guy named Hondo Franklin. I mean, that's <laughs> it doesn't get more elite than that when you're talking quarterback names. Um, I, I. To me, Lovejoy is all—all all due respect to the Kings in Alito, who do it every year and they show up every year. And every year, somebody picks somebody to knock them off, and they don't. I think Lovejoy. This is the year I've got to think because this is probably the most—I won't say down, but I think Alito lacks that like key playmaker and like Jace McClellan or or JoJo Earl um, that they've always had. And I think, man. Lovejoy is just a really well-built team, offensively, defensively. They get it done in, in all three phases. So um, they were really impressive, kind of never never really struggled. Their parking situation is a nightmare at Lovejoy High School. we got to fix that. Um, but I, 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 I've I, seen all I need to see of the Leopards going into the playoffs. I think that they're dangerous. And really, if you look at that, what's that? Uh, they're 5A-D2, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If you look at 5A, D2, Region 2, I think – I'll make the argument that's the most interesting region in the state this year. I mean, it is um, – I mean, you're, you're talking Lovejoy, Alito, uh, so, South Oak Cliff's in that mix, Ennis is in that mix, Burleson,
2: sure.
0: Burleson. Burleson could be plucky in that mix, I think, with, with Dylan Rayola, Frisco's <laughs> in that mix, so that's a really – I think I'm looking at 5AD2 to be the bloodbath region this year of uh, just, uh, you know, whoever comes out of there is going to be extremely battle tested. Um, all right, fellas, where are y'all headed uh, this week? Nick, you want to go first?
1: Yeah, I'll go. Um, on Thursday night, I'm going to be heading down to Nick Harris County to uh, see Aldine Eisenhower and Spring Decaney. Uh Aldine Eisenhower is home to 2023 wide receiver Ryan Niblett that Texas uh, was the first to offer on about a month ago. Uh, Since then, about five other schools have come into the mix. So finally going to see, uh, lay some eyes on him. And also I got some good friends on the Decaney staff. So uh, going out and seeing those guys and 2023 wide receiver for them, Jonah Wilson. He has not been offered by Texas, but he's got some pretty impressive offers on his sheet. He's got A&M, LSU, uh, I think USC is already in the mix as well, Arkansas. Uh, so excited to see those two receivers. They, they both of them kind of bring different things to the table. Niblet's more of a speed guy that'll blow past you out of the slot. Wilson, on the other hand, will just go over and uh, you know moss you and out outplay you physically. Um, so excited to see that one. And then Friday, um, heading down to uh, Arlington with Guy to see uh, Alito and Arlington Seguin. Um, Alito home to uh, a 2022 four-star safety commit, Brian Allen Jr., as well as his little brother, Jaden Allen, in the 2024 class, who Texas is doing a pretty good pretty good job with uh, early on. Uh, and then for Seguin, uh, 2023 four-star corner, um, Jamel Johnson, who I think Texas fans should be keeping an eye on, me and Mike and uh, our Steve Wilfong, putting crystal balls for Johnson to Texas uh, recently. Um, you know, we expect a decision here pretty soon. We think Texas is probably the, the likely pick. Um, and then also playing for Seguin is, um, I believe he's a four-star now, four-star safety Savion Bryce, the Oklahoma commit, uh, who's uh, you know had a really big last year, had a really big camp circuit, um, you know whenever camps opened up in the in the summer. So excited to see those two guys. It'll probably be a, probably be a blowout uh, from the Lido side of things, but I'm curious to see how those de- defensive backs play.
0: One day, I got two points here. First of all, uh, Alden Eisenhower. I did not know this, but. Um, Coach Goodwin is their recruiting coordinator, and I know him because he used to be at Conroe Oak Ridge um, when just fasai and Tyler Johnson came through there, one of the better recruiting coordinators in the state of Texas. Awesome. So shout out him. He reached out to me uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh, I didn't know you were you were at Ike this year. So um, if you see him, say hi to him. The um... Oh, man, I had another point in my head, and it totally just disappeared. What was the second game? Oh, Xavier and Bryce, this is what brought it up one day just to boost my ego we're gonna sit here and talk about that future focus article I wrote last year about uh, like 15 guys in the 22 class who would be who didn't have any offers or had like less than three and would become household names because if you go through that thing and Xavier Bryce was on that that list and uh, you know Jay fair and Kip Lewis and uh, it's probably some of my finest works.
2: I remember that article. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote it at
0: small school state. I was, just uh, I was about
2: to say, I think we were sitting next to each other. Yep.
0: So uh, it's, it's turned out um, if you look at it, I mean, big time dudes have come out of that group. So you going to try to replicate that this year, and write another one for 23. So we'll see how that works out.
2: Um, all right, guy hit us. Yeah, quick question. I, I didn't want to interrupt you earlier. What's Lovejoy like in the trenches? Are they big? Or are they more comparable to, like, my Scots? Like, what, what do they look like there?
0: They're not huge, um, but they're uh, – like, I had a, a high school coach tell me they would much rather face a bunch of 350-pound dudes up front than, like, a bunch of 260-pound dudes who play with, like,
2: a they good motor. And, yeah.
0: yeah. And that's kind of love joy is they're they're kind of in that second group. Um, so they can kind of do what they want. They've got obviously and they've got the playmakers on offense, right? They get the ball to Jackson Lavender who just committed to SMU um, in space and he can roll with it. Or they get it to Kyle Parker or uh, Noah do at running back or Parker Livingstone. I mean, they've got guys everywhere. And then on defense. Again, there's nothing super impressive up front, but they just get after you. And then at the linebacker position, they've got a couple guys that can absolutely go. Peyton Pierce is one, and uh, I think it's Justin Mater is the other. And then they've got some interesting dudes in the secondary as well. So I, I think they're just really complete.
2: Okay. So uh,
0: I kind of started my week early
2: Um Yesterday, I went out out to uh, South Oak Cliff and checked out their practice as they get ready for Kimball this week. Big rivalry game in DISD territory. So, shouts to Coach Ward, Coach Trailer, Coach Spencer, all those guys for having me out and uh, making me feel right at home. Um, They look ready to go, and I I think that should be a fun one for them on Friday. Uh, But then Thursday night, I start my game schedule by going on the road again, actually, uh, with our good friend Zach Collins, who Coaches over at Mesquite and trains offensive linemen here in the area. His cousin Chromo Collins is at Plainview this year. Um, so I'm going to go watch Plainview take on Wichita Falls up in Wichita Falls at Memorial Stadium. So, a new stadium for me, and actually two teams I've never seen before. A great uh, stadium.
0: I think yeah, I like I've it. heard a lot of fun things, you know. It's an older stadium, right? It's very old, but it's like uh it's almost looks like a – I mean it I, I would say it almost looks like a college stadium. It is a college stadium. Midwestern uh, stadium. Because Midwestern plays there. Yeah. But it's uh it's a cool stadium. I like I mean it's don't don't expect a nice press box or anything, but no, if you're but if you're into classic looking stadiums, you'll like it. So it's straight up my alley then.
2: Very cool. Okay, well yeah, so Chromo Collins has been putting on the show out in the eight oh six this year. Uh, his Plainview Bulldogs, the record doesn't show, but he's kind of been in their one bright spot. So I told Zach I'd go check him out at some point. So we're going to hop in the car and go do that together. And then Friday night, uh, Nick already mentioned it. I'll be with him over in East Arlington at the great C.H. Wildman Stadium uh, over there on Ooh, the uh, Houston have you guys
0: do- Have you guys double-checked that? I think it's at Wildman. I have heard – I was told a couple weeks ago by an Arlington coach that Wildman is uh, closed for construction and all games are, that were scheduled for Wildman are moving over to the Globe. Ooh. Ooh.
1: Hold on. I'm going to check. Keep talking, guy.
0: Um, really? <laughs> yeah, that's why – Like, I was told by Coach Sam at Bowie that the rest of their home games will be played at, at Choctaw or the Globe or whatever because – But they did uh, – they, they have played some games. You You saw a game there this year, right? I have not, but they have played some games there. But I believe like at the halfway mark of the year, they started and said we're going to start construction because they're they're remodeling all the Arlington stadiums. Um, so I would double check that and make sure it's not the globe. Nick looks like he has something.
1: According to the official Alito ISD Twitter, they are playing at Wildman.
0: Okay. All right. So I
1: don't know.
2: I was kind of looking forward to a night at Choctaw one second. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I love Wildman, as I said, the great Wildman Stadium, but I, or Wildman Field, I guess, officially. But I'd much rather have a night at Choctaw, not going to lie. So, um, yeah, going to go check that out. Um, I mean, Nick kind of covered all the bases there. But I, I am breaking a rule, though, with this game. I have always said I will never see Alito play a regular season game. I don't like dealing with the circus that, that comes with that. They usually beat the dog out of everybody they play in the regular season. And I just like to kind of save them for the playoff run. Uh, so I'm going to break that this week. But there's good content to be had at this game. And, um, heck, I've got family that lives in Alito, So why not go support the Bearcats and watch them and uh, check out Seguin as well. So You
0: know, you were invited to go to the Battle of the Axe with me.
2: I know. Um You know, I felt torn there, so uh, one of our other friends, uh, E.J. Holland, will be in town as well, and he asked me to go to a game with him. You asked me to go to that game, and I said, you know what, why don't I just go to a neutral game so I don't break anyone's heart here, so that's why I did what I did. So I'm a good friend at the end of the day, you know. So you came to a game with me. Appreciate it. I mean, that. I guess. I guess. But, but here's the thing. Nick and I were just talking about this
0: last Yes, I know where I stand in the pecking order.
2: No, no, <laughs> no. Nick and I were talking about this last night or at some point. He made a good point. He said, you know, Michael will be coming back our way post game that night. Maybe he could stop and get a bite to eat with us on our typical Friday routine. I said, why not? So there's your official invite. I don't know if you want to do that. You'll probably hit us with no, I need to get home and get in bed. But you know, I thought I'd throw it out there.
0: No, that might be on the table. I don't have I think the last couple of times y'all have invited me, I've had somewhere to be Saturday morning, and I don't have anywhere to be Saturday morning. So all right. Um, I uh, so I we've already talked about Friday night, battle of the axe, Marcus and Louisville. Thursday night, I will be going to Garland ISD. My first stop at Homer B. Johnson Stadium, got Fantastic, man, yeah. uh, Um, And uh, going to see uh, Naaman Forest and Lakeview Centennial. Naaman Forrest, of course, home to Marcus Steele. Um, and then uh, Lakeview Centennial has a couple guys that I really like as well, including uh, Trey Wilson, their edge rusher in 23, who I think could be a guy for Texas down the line. So should be a fun time. Anything to add before we get out of here, fellas? Yes, man, Saturday, I
2: am. I'll be in Waco. I forgot to mention that big, big game yeah. for me. Baylor fraz You know, I'm a, the, yeah. a Texas man at heart, but with a Baylor degree, so uh, you can expect to see me wearing orange on Saturday. I guess I'll I'll throw that out there. <laughs> I am
1: <laughs> I am watching uh, I'm kind of perusing the Twitter timeline right now and the, watching this tornado that ripped through Orange about an hour and a half ago. It's pretty wicked. Hope everyone down in Southeast Texas is doing all right. It, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it
0: looks like we're getting into big weather season, so um, everybody stay safe out there. All right, uh, that's going to do it for us today. We appreciate Guy for joining us as always. We appreciate uh, the, the listeners for interacting. We are going to get to that mailbag. I couldn't do it today because uh, we decided last minute to record early, and I couldn't get the questions out, but uh, maybe next week. Who knows? Um, for Nick Harris, Guy Frazier, I'm Mike Roach, and uh, thank you to Taylor Estes for always producing this and making us look good. We will see you guys next week. From
2: producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount+, Plus to try it free. Terms apply.